God is good. And all the time. Let us pray. Gracious, holy, awesome, amazing, incredible, gracious God, we come and give you thanks for this time that we have to worship and to share together. For what you're doing in our life and in our community and our church. Lord, as we come this morning to hear these tough words from Paul, tough words from Mark, and recognize, Lord, the conversations that are taking place with Jesus. Lord, we recognize where we might be in that story and in our life. So, Lord, I pray that you set my voice aside. Let it be your voice that's heard today. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard of the saying, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater? But do you know where it came from? Well, many years ago, people didn't take many baths. I hope that's changed today. But in that case, people would have to draw the water. And when they drew the water, then they would have to heat it up. So there's only usually enough just to make one tub. And the whole family would have to take baths one at a time in the tub, starting with the adults and then getting to the child. Well, you can imagine, probably by the time the baby was taking a bath, the water was pretty dirty. So whoever was throwing out the water, probably someone else would say, Hey, man, don't throw out the baby with the bath water. But do you know what that means? Don't throw out the good with the bad. If you have a bunch of bananas and one of those bananas is rotten, don't throw out the whole bunch just because of one bad banana. And if you're sitting in a circle in your group and you're trying to solve a problem and people are throwing up good ideas and not so good ideas, you don't throw away all the ideas just because some don't work. We don't disregard all of our life. We don't disregard all of our life just because there's sin in it. Do you know the name Sam Houston? Do you know what state he found? Texas. When Sam Houston was later in life, he joined the church. And, as, and, he, and he was baptized, and he was told that all of his sins would be washed away. And he said something I want you to remember. I hope the poor souls downstream don't get too dirty. What about you? What about me? Aren't our lives that way? They look pretty clean on the outside, but in reality, on the inside, there might be some, maybe a good bit, of dirt. Sometimes the sin is so thick that its effect is obvious, but sometimes, oftentimes, it's so personal that none or very few ever see it. But the effect... On our relationship with God is the same. As we gather for worship today, as you join us for worship today online, none of us are sinless. The church is not a gathering of saints, but a place where sinners come and seek to have their lives redeemed by God. And we do that in a community of love and of accountability. 
Now, we don't like to talk about sin or we don't like to hear about sin. It makes us nervous, uncomfortable. It's too close to home. But here's the reality. We all have it. And here's the greater reality. There's something we got to do about it. There's no better time than the first of the year. And I think there's no matter time as we approach this season of Lent, which seems to be early this year. It's only two weeks away. It forces the issue. It brings this reality of sin in our life to the forefront. The word Lent comes from the word lengthening, which refers to how the daylight hours are getting longer as we approach spring. These 40 days, or 46 days if we include Sundays in them, are a time of repentance and renewal. So approaching Lent and this beginning of the new year brings us to a call, to a recommitment to our Christian life, a recommitment to be followers of Jesus. And we can't do that unless we deal with the sin that dirties our relationship with God. I'm sure you've heard the saying, feeling distant from God, then guess who moved? We did. So I invite you to join me today and each day as we seek to draw our lives closer to God. Let us begin by recalling the story of one of Jesus' closest disciples as Jesus shared the news and Jesus shared of his journey as he's headed towards the cross. Join me in your devices. Join me in the Bibles you've brought Join me uh, online. I hope you will. And if we have a, a, the church app, the scripture's on that church app now, so you can just hit scripture and go straight to it. Don't even have to find it. So let us turn together to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 through 33, beginning at verse 31. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. So why do we so often do that which we know we shouldn't do and not do that which we know we should? This was a struggle that Paul wrestled with and he spells it out in Romans chapter 7. The problem, it boils down to our sinful nature. Ever since Adam and Eve, man and women have been born with sin, which separates us from God. But God so much wants to be in relationship with us that he sent his son Jesus to be here. In order for us to be in relationship with God, we must recognize that sin. We must acknowledge that sin and deal with that sin. A friend told me a while back that somebody new had moved into their house. The person's name? Somebody. Somebody left their shoes in the middle of the floor. Somebody forgot to take out the garbage. When is somebody going to clean this room? 
Maybe you two have somebody in your house. His or her name might not be somebody, but maybe it's nobody or not me who walked across the floor with muddy shoes on after that winter storm. Not me. Somebody, maybe not me, probably are responsible for most things that happen in our houses or don't happen around our houses that should. What's the reality? We know who did it. And many times we are the culprit. Whether we sin out of rebellion or selfishness, we're all guilty. I couldn't believe this report that I read many years ago about a mayor in Milwaukee. He was on a national radio program and he invited 7th graders to come up and to his office and participate in the program. One of the 7th graders asked him why he entered politics and the politician responded, because my father was a minister and I had to increase the amount of sin in the world. Each day we have a choice. Will we increase the amount of sin? Or will we ask God to help us with it? Just before the reading of today's scripture, two verses before the reading of today's scripture, the disciples were asked by Jesus, Who do you say that I am? And what does Peter say? The Messiah. And now in today's scripture, Jesus looks at Peter and in front of the disciples, Jesus tells Peter, Get behind me, Satan. What happened? Peter's understanding for all his life was that the Messiah was one of rule and power and conquest. And now Jesus was saying to him, to them, that the Messiah must suffer. And not only suffer, but he too must die. It was incomprehensible and against all that Peter knew to be true. For Peter, the thought that this would happen to the Messiah was impossible. So what does Peter do? He rebukes Jesus. And then what does Jesus do? He rebukes Peter and tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. These are not God thoughts. These are human thoughts. So why did Jesus rebuke Peter so sternly? Jesus had recently spent much time in the desert. While he was there, he was being tempted by Satan. And here was Jesus again being tempted by a good friend. Oh, Jesus, you really don't have to go through all that. That's not who the Messiah is supposed to be. But so many times our, our bent, our, our leaning towards sinning is not caused by some outside source. But by the influence of another person. And sometimes we're that another. It happens between closest friends. Look at Peter and Jesus. We all have that tendency in us to lead others to fall. We mean it innocently. We, we have good intentions. We're, we're trying to just watch out for them. But when we step back and look at it, we realize we probably didn't think through what we said. We didn't consider that how the person might hear what we're trying to mean. 
Peter's response, though it was of good intentions, was selfish. He did not want the Messiah to suffer and die, but it was the very path that Jesus must travel, that our sins would be forgiven. So here's the truth, too. Just after our salvation, just when we accept Jesus, it doesn't mean everything's great and all our sinning stops. So we must continue to deal with it. So as we begin this new year and as we approach this season of Lent, I call us to three things. A time of personal self-examination, a time to repentance, and a time to go one step further. A time of personal self-examination. Where is the sin in my life? What are those dark areas in my life that keep me separated from God? What are those places there I won't experience the full love of God unless I surrender them to Him? And when have I, by my actions or words, even by something I did not do, led another astray? A time of personal examination and also a time of repentance. Admitting our inadequacies to God and seeking to renew our life. A time of personal self-examination, a time to repentance, and then a time to go one step further. What's one specific thing you can do? What is one action that you can do this week to right a relationship with another that you have wronged? Three things I call this to. A time of personal self-examination, a time to repentance, and a time to go one step further Righting a wrong in a relationship that you've been in or are in now. Saturday night bass were a tradition in my house. Anybody else have that tradition? Mom would come downstairs, put us in the tub, or come check on us in the tub, make sure that we're really getting extra clean before church the next day. We continue that tradition in our house with our children when they were younger. I would yell out, Saturday night bath, and off we would go, and they would go. Get behind the ears, get in the ears, get in between the toes. Make sure they wash all the hair, not just the hair on top of their head. Church, maybe it's time for us to have a Saturday night bath. But sin's not something we can get rid of on our own. But it's something. It's only something that God can. First, we have to admit that the water's dirty. First, we have to admit that our lives are dirty. That we have too many times thrown out the good with the bad. And we've not given God a chance. We might need a good scrubbing. But thank goodness that God's not going to throw us out with the bathwater. Thank goodness for the grace and mercy of God. Thank goodness that we can go to God and surrender that which separates us from him and each other. And God, through his love, through his grace, and through his mercy, seeks to redeem us, renew us, and restore us. To make our relationships right with him and with each other. But we must make that step.
the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Lord, we yearn to be in right relationship with those that we love, with those that we've wronged, with those that we worship with, those we work with, those we go to school with. But Lord, we can't do it on our own. So Lord, may today be one step in the direction of surrendering that which separates us from you and with them, and that you may redeem and renew and restore that in our lives. Help us, Lord, to do the same as you seek to do to us. In your name we pray. Amen.